Hello, and welcome to All Things Plantagenet. My name is Donnie Hazel, and I am your host. To all of my original listeners, welcome back. To those new to the show, welcome. I am a storytelling historian with a great love for the Plantagenet dynasty, as I am a direct descendant to Geoffrey of Anjou via my paternal line on my grandmother Carter's side. I descend through Diana Skipwith, daughter of Sir Henry Skipwith and Amy Kemp. Diana married Captain Thomas Carter. They immigrated to the Americas in 1650, settling in Barford in Lancaster County, Virginia. So with that said, please like and download the show as it helps other listeners learn about the show. If you wish to support this podcast, there is a link for you to do so, and it would be much appreciated as it would help with costs of maintaining the website www.allthingsplantagenet.com where you can find the podcast as well as extra items for each episode you can read or download. You can also find great books and videos for sale as well. Feel free to also visit our Facebook page. A link is provided as well on the website. Okay, on to the episode. I don't know. I can't remember. If the past is an illusion, then perhaps we need to go to the place of the pretender's dreams. Go on. Enter the world, the physical world, where the murder happened. If, if it happened, stones that are still there, physically there, in the present, where it has tangible reality. We have the pretender take us to the very realms where those little boys... Yes. See, physical reality has such a power over the minds of men. We can ask the king. Rather, we can tell him. He should give us proper respect. And if we need clarification and certainty, then he must enable us to find it. That will truly settle the matter. One way or another. It's just a room. I don't see what difference it will make. We have seen so much contradictory evidence, it is difficult to know what to believe. Let us observe his behavior in the very room where the murders are supposed to have happened, then we can make a judgment. You shouldn't tell him which room it is, or give him the real reason for the move. If we cannot be reassured that the House of Tudor is secure, then we will take our leave. And I will have to tell my king and queen why I am returning early without having secured a match for their daughter. It's not just whether we believe him or not. He disturbs the conscience of this country. He's almost become its conscience. The matter is, as always, entirely in your hands, Your Majesty. Don't do it, Henry. If you agree, he'll bewitch you. He'll bewitch everyone. You might as well give up now. Tell him, John. I cannot do that, my lady. What? What is this? As the bishop said, it's my conscience. I cannot pretend I don't hear it. I want to know what happened to those little boys. Henry. I will take my own counsel. Thank you, Mother. So this was to be the real test. This would prove, once and for all, 
if he was a prince or the most brilliant imposter of all time. It was well known that 16 years earlier, the princes had been moved by their uncle Richard to new quarters somewhere high in the tower. As their protector, he'd been the only one with keys to their rooms. Or so it had been supposed. Certainly their whereabouts had remained a closely guarded secret. Argentine, don't keep us in suspense. Was this the room you visited? Yes. The door was kept locked. At night, Edward would cry out in agony. From the moment we were shown into this room, he was sure we were going to die. The flesh in his mouth being eaten away. Women came with food, but uh, they didn't spend much time with us. I don't know who they were. Perhaps Lady Margaret can tell us. You were here at court, weren't you? I heard a rumor you tried to free us. I heard that rumor, too. I put my name to a plot to rescue the princess, it's true. But I wasn't in London at the time. Richard found out and I had to stay away. Did they... did they feed you well? Often they would give us, uh, broth. They hated it. Edward ate it. There wasn't much he could eat that was solid. Perhaps that's why they kept bringing it. But he got weaker. I should have been the weaker one. I was the one who wouldn't eat. I begged them for something else sometimes, but they didn't take any notice. And he grew weaker, even though he was eating, and you were not. Yes. But he did say he was very ill already. No. No, this was different. He got sick to his stomach. Could the broth have been poisoned? Eh? Nobody poisoned the princes. Of course. Only Uncle Richard had access. We want to know what happened on the night you did not die. I got into bed. I went to sleep. But not for long. It was in so much pain. He kept crying out. I couldn't bear it. And then I heard them come in. 
now saying you were awake? Being here is different to the memory of being here. There were two of them. They went over to Edward's bed. picked me up, I was screaming. What do you see? Uncle Richard. He was here. Standing in the doorway, he was here. Put his arm around me. Richard was away. He was touring the country after his coronation. He distanced himself. He went away. He spared me. My uncle spared me. Why? Because, like him, I was the younger brother of a king. Because I bore his name. He was not a man of sentiment. Perhaps he didn't have a choice with Edward. My brother was as good as dead. It was an act of mercy to take his life. The real murderer was the one killing him slowly before my eyes. Someone else who had access. One of the women. princes were in the tower. Did my mother spend any time with them? I wasn't there at the end. Before you left. Speak, John! When I was told leave the tower, I was promised that the boys would be cared for. Who made this promise? My Lady Margaret. So she was here? When I left, yes. And is it true that only King Richard had access to the tower? Well, the King and the Lord Constable. Oh, really? Wasn't Lord Stanley the Lord Constable at that time? 
don't believe he was. How interesting. And before you left, John, was Edward growing weaker? If that will be all, my lord. Yes, thank you, John. That will be all. Why do people lie, Mother? Many reasons. To protect a loved one. Protect them from what? I've lived in fear for months. Ever since Argentine's prophecy. You will be in mortal danger all this year from divisions within your kingdom. It's not my people I need to fear. It's not even death. It's the curse that you have brought on me, on my record, on everything that you have touched, perhaps even on my children. What do you think I might have done, Henry? You were here and you said you weren't. Your husband had a key to the tower. You lied to me. I thought that I could trust you, of all people. I don't know what you were going through when I was growing up in exile, but one thing that is becoming clear to me is that more than you wanted to be with me as a child, more than you wanted peace for this country, you wanted to be the mother of the king and you would stop at nothing. Whatever you think of me, the people want peace. How can lasting peace be built upon the murder of the rightful king? Even if you didn't murder the princes, you might as well have done. Because you were here. Seems I've lost my mother. <laughs> so now Henry had to face the devastating implications of a fact he'd long known. His mother's husband had indeed been Constable of England all those years ago. So she had possessed the opportunity as well as the motive. Oh Clemens, oh Pia, oh Dolchis Vakamari. Oh Clemens, oh Pia, oh Dolchis Were the seven hours a day she famously spent in religious devotion a desperate penitence for the murder of that young prince? Oh, Dolce's Vaca Maria. Oh, Clement's up here. 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 Oh, Dolce's Vaca Maria. Or was she begging forgiveness for the crimes she was yet to commit? Although she was, strictly speaking, a prisoner, 
Lady Catherine Gordon was received with all the respect due to her as a member of the Scottish royal family, and also, perhaps, as the next Queen of England. My lady, the pretender's wife and son have arrived. It seemed the crown was within the pretender's grasp. I'm sorry to wake you. Lady Margaret. I have to admire your achievement. I hadn't realized quite how clever you've been. Your strategy has worked brilliantly. Settled this country in a time of peace. You've turned my son's wife against him. And the hardest part for me is that you've made my son hate me. I didn't make your son hate you. Your wife and son are here. You must be longing to see them and tell Catherine what has happened. Come. I will take you to them. you realize once you're king you'll have to kill them. Will I? If you don't they'll come back. Little princes grow up. That's what happens if you spare a king's son. He returns as you have returned so convincingly. You could do it now. Everyone thinks you're locked up. You're the last person your sister would suspect. Have I no surprises for you? The poor, desperate Duchess. She's taught you well. She's turned you into the lost prince. You and the clever Duchess. You thought of everything. Almost. I want to see my wife and son. Who are you? Hmm. You don't know, do you? Well, I can help you. Come with me.
They've been here for 16 years. How old do you think they are? Where did you get them? Look at this. Cloth of gold. Only a king can wear cloth of gold, as you know. And they're rather small. Made for a coronation, perhaps? I'd better give it back. Shall we look for a birthmark? You think he'd mind? Stop it! Leave him alone! <laughs> <laughs> They love me. I'm their only visitor. They'd do anything for me. <clears throat> you are not Richard of York. And these creatures are the proof. Proof? Proof that your son has no right to be knows it. Henry doesn't know about them. I found them. And they are no threat to Henry. How could these creatures rule the country? One of them had his tongue cut out and then cauterized. His brother saw it and then swallowed his own tongue so the same wouldn't happen to him. <coughs> Thirteen-year-old body apart and left me barren. I've had four husbands and change allegiances many times. Oh, I learned it from men and from every Yorkist I ever knew that to be soft is to be brutalized. Take me to my family. You are too dangerous. With you gone, Henry and his dynasty can survive, and this country can be at peace. No. I don't want you to die. Through that door. 
and I will bring those creatures out into the light. You wouldn't. My son hates me. I have nothing to lose. You can't prove those wretches are the princess. And you can't prove they're not. If you go as a prince, he will be hunted until the day he dies. And my wife? She and your son will be members of this household for the rest of their lives, and I shall say so to the ambassadors. Damn you. I have damned myself. But you can save your soul. First let it be known that I was born in the town of Tournay in Flanders. And my father's name is called John Warbeck, which said John Warbeck was controller of the said town of Tournay. And my mother's name is Catherine de Faro. And my grandfather upon my mother's side was called Peter de Faro. to think that this matter may hurt you less one day. His wife is to become a member of our household. She's very lovely, isn't she? Yes. Does he really look like your brother?
probably right about it, do you think? He'll write what he's told to write. Or perhaps he'll throw it all on the fire once we've gone. So history won't tell the true story that we've seen. Do you think we've seen the true story, Comrade? Anyway, history will say what someone decides it should say. Or what Mr. Moore remembers when he's older and, let's hope, braver. The King has asked us to stay for a while. It's not over then. Apparently not. Perkin Warbeck. It's not a real name, is it? If he isn't the prince, then who is he? And why did he do it? Perhaps we'll never know. Perhaps those who know will never say. Will you see him? Bishop Combray, if you would please come. I would like someone to take a message to my son. Of course. That is the nature of history, and history is written by the victors. But this much the world knows. The Bishop of Cambrai took a copy of the confession home to the Duchess of Burgundy, who had to concede publicly that this, finally, was the extinction of the House of York. In private, she maintained until the day she died that Perkin Warbeck was her nephew Richard. Before he returned to Spain, Dr. de Puebla agreed a contract of marriage between Prince Arthur of England and the Infanta Catherine of Aragon. Queen Elizabeth herself did not live long after the death of the man who called himself her brother. She died in childbirth. The rest of Henry's reign was a time of fear and darkness. He was never loved by the people. After the death of the Queen, Lady Catherine Gordon kept company with the King for the rest of his life. Lady Margaret Beaufort's lifelong dream of a Tudor dynasty came true 
But it was not Arthur who went on to be the next King of England. It was Henry who, on his brother's death, inherited a wife and a kingdom. And as for me, I prosper in the court of King Henry VIII. But these events of so long ago still haunt me and trouble my conscience. Though I have lived long, I've never encountered anyone as vivid or as memorable as the man who was hanged as Perkin Warbeck. He was more like a prince than any monarch I've ever met. One night in 1483, a foul and stealthy deed was said to have taken place in this tower. An act so horrific that it has been known ever since as the Bloody Tower. Two boys were held here under the supposed protection of their uncle, the man who was to become King Richard III. What happened to them was a turning point in British history the cold-blooded murder of children, killed to win the throne of England. The boys were both the sons of Edward IV, who had died just a few weeks earlier. One was the new king, 12-year-old Edward V, awaiting coronation apparently safe in the tower. The other was his younger brother, the Duke of York. Soon after their arrival at the tower, they were seen playing outside but in time they were spotted only rarely through the bars of the windows. By July 1483, they had disappeared. Nearly 200 years later, an unexpected discovery was made inside the tower. In 1674, workmen clearing away a stairway next to the White Tower discovered a box containing the bones of two children. All that remains here now is a wall plaque. 
when tourists started coming inside the Tower of London in numbers in the Victorian period, obviously all of the places of historical interest were pointed out to them, and one of the things in which there was most curiosity was this famous story of the bones of the princes in the tower. And so this plaque was put up, and the text of it makes out that, as I say, the tradition of the tower has always pointed out this as the stair under which the bones of Edward V and his brother were found in Charles II's time. The bones discovered in the tower were moved to Westminster Abbey, where they have continued to fascinate historians. Now, it was King Charles II who, in 1678, arranged for these bones to be buried amongst their ancestors in Westminster Abbey and who erected this urn with its impressive inscription. The Latin text on the tomb makes it quite clear that Charles II believed Richard III was the guilty man. Here lie the remains of Edward V, King of England, and of Richard, Duke of York. Their uncle Richard, who usurped the crown, shut up these two brothers in the Tower of London, smothered them with pillows, and ordered them to be dishonorably and secretly buried. If we could prove that they are the princes and that they died at the ages which they would have been in 1483, then I think we can reasonably suppose that Richard III was responsible for their deaths. Today, this is still a very hot issue. And even in the face of so much circumstantial and actual evidence against Richard III, there are still many people who feel, yes, he was a nice person, he had qualities, he couldn't possibly have murdered the princes. I'm afraid the evidence points the other way. This is not the view of some of Richard III's supporters, who are also visiting the Abbey today. Well, we're members of the Richard III Foundation, and we're here today to lay a wreath in memory of King Richard III. Well, today it's his 549th birthday, <laughs> and we're here because we feel his life is worth celebrating because he was a man who believed in justice and was himself denied justice. There is not one shred of proof that Richard murdered his nephews in the tower. Nothing in nearly 500 years has come to light to prove it. Um, we believe that Richard was a victim of Tudor propaganda. There are two key questions about the bones at Westminster. Are they those of the princes and can they prove the date when they were killed? In 1933, the bones were taken out and examined in the abbey by physicians. The conclusion? That the size and development of the bones pointed to the older child being aged 12 to 13 and the other aged 9 to 11. This tallies with the ages of the princes if they were murdered in 1483, the likely date if Richard III killed them. The structure of the jaws also pointed to them being related. Since this examination, archaeological science has moved on and people are calling for the urn to be reopened. What needs to be done is DNA testing on these bones because we need to prove a familial genetic link between these bones and the bones of other members of the family. And some are buried in St George's Chapel, some in Westminster Abbey. The prince's sister, Catherine Plantagenet, is buried in Tiverton Chapel in Devon. So the princes may have a DNA connection in Devon. But just as mystery surrounds the princes, there's also a big question about where the bones of their sister, Catherine Plantagenet, may lie. It's known she was buried in this church, but the exact location is lost. Archaeologist Tim Young has arrived with equipment to investigate beneath the surface. Like the princes in the tower, Catherine was a child of King Edward IV. She was a royal princess and had taken the title Countess of Devon. Local historian Michael Martin believes that an eyewitness account of her burial points to the likely location of her tomb. The hope is that the plinth is undisturbed in its original position and that does fit, as I say, with the description not only of where the princess wished to be buried but also the detailed accounts that were given by the two heralds who conducted her funeral Michael believes that a later tomb was placed on top of Catherine Plantagenet's, but that hers is still below. On the lower plinth, there are carvings that could represent the Plantagenet dynasty. 
The only way to see inside the tomb without disturbing it is with a fiber optic video camera, searching beneath the upper tomb. The hope is to find a lead shroud containing Catherine's preserved remains. This could provide a vital DNA connection with the bones in Westminster Abbey. We've got some lovely clear images here. We've got mm. the base now here yes. of this upper frieze. Right. So it's perfectly smooth in a surface to that. And then moving on down, we can see that the northern top is sloping outwards. And this is the point at which we're getting down almost to under the floor level. Almost there, down so. to under the floor levels. But then we're looking on much, and then, much below that. Aren't and then we? down so into down a jumble. And it looks to me as if we've got at least one coffin very close to the north wall, yes. with the top inclined, perhaps buried, and maybe filled with straw. Right. That's extending across to the south in a room jumble of planks. We can't see the bottom of it at the moment. No, we can't. But there is no clear visual evidence to confirm if one of these is Catherine's coffin. Yeah, there's clearly more research needed. Nonetheless, nothing I've seen today would, would, would alter the, um, you know, the possibility uh, that we are looking at the princess's tomb here. The search for Catherine's tomb is just a small step in a mystery that's lasted over 500 years. A DNA comparison with her supposed brothers in Westminster Abbey could confirm once and for all whether this urn really does contain the princes in the tower. But will this ever clear the name of Richard III? This is a murder mystery, and there are many, many blind alleys up which one can travel in trying to sort it out and find a solution. But I have to say that these blind alleys lead nowhere, and that we come back to the essential facts, that all the evidence that we have, circumstantial and real evidence, points to Richard being the murderer of the princes in the tower. Richard only held the throne for two years. In 1485, he met a violent death himself on Bosworth Field at the hands of Henry Tudor. He has left no grave. The poignant story of the princes in the tower has formed part of the romantic and often morbid history of these buildings, where it's often hard to separate reality from myth.